Morning. Let's open our service this morning by singing off our first hymn, which is a, a hymn which enables us to recognise the majesty of our Heavenly Father, how all-powerful He is, and a chance for us to acknowledge that despite that, He is still close to each one of us. Lord, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, we come to you now with thankfulness on our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity which we now have to spend time in your presence. Not that you're ever far away from us, Lord, but we now have a time away from the cares and the troubles of the world the stresses and the pressures that life sometimes exerts on us. Lord, a time when we can focus on, on you and your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can remember your love for us. And so now, Lord, we pray that you will bless us in this time, that we may be enriched and empowered by the fellowship that we share with you and your Son and with each other. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We've got a couple of sets of announcements this morning. The first will be given by uh, Peter, and then Richard will come up and give us the rest of the ecclesial announcements. I get to do the happy bit, which is which is which is good. Um, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes when uh, uh, we have somebody join from somewhere else or whatever, we, we get them up to the front, and we make a big fuss of them some people don't like that uh, and they prefer to kind of you know stay in the background a little bit which is which is fine and uh, and they're nonetheless uh, welcome because of that many of us um, during the course of our life find challenges to our faith and um, some of us kind of suffer those in silence or uh, or hide them and others don't even know sometimes maybe that we've been through through uh, a dark place where life's been difficult um, some uh, are a bit more vociferous about their doubts and um, seek to draw other people into that, that discussion of, uh, uh, of their problems. And others under circumstances just kind of drift away from us and maybe sometimes, sadly, we don't even kind of notice they've gone until uh, a little bit later and then try to do something about it. And for some people there's, a, there's, there's often a single incident which, which sparks issues in their faith. Uh, and provokes questioning and introspection. Anne uh, was baptised, um, according to the records I have anyway, in 1975, which is a long time ago. But the, the manner and the rapidity of her, uh, her father Bernard's death in 1999 was, was really a major factor in her questioning of faith and, uh, and, and what that was about. However, what strengthened Anne's faith um, recently is your love. And she wanted me particularly to say that to you. A number of you have been there for her um, throughout the difficult times uh, and indeed more recently uh, when, when she's needed help. And, and you know, uh, those of you who've been involved with in that, you know who you are and you don't need me to read a list of names out. But Anne wanted me to say thank you on her behalf, to all of you who've helped her through that journey back to faith.
And it's your love that's reconvinced Anne of God's love. And uh, which we might say is as it should be. Uh, And I'm pleased about that. Uh, And urged upon her the need to to once again kind of join her family here at the Bethel and to uh, break bread with us again. So on behalf of all of us at Old Trafford, uh, it's my pleasure to welcome our Wichert back to the Lord's table. uh, And I pray that we can all help each other to know God better. Good morning everybody, it's good to see you all here and in particular a welcome to Phil and Sheila, very welcome to be with us here this morning. Moving on to our care news now which Rosie's prepared for me and Rosie will be preparing care news for next Sunday as well. Firstly we thank God for some really good news. Pete Griffiths has had the results of his CAT scan on Friday and the cancer is much reduced and he doesn't need more treatment at the moment. We rejoice with him and Christine and the rest of their family. It's wonderful to have Mary with us this morning. She's not had a good week, but we pray the good results of the chemo are soon evident and the bad ones soon fade so she can enjoy being with friends and family. Gladys is still in AM1 at the present and probably fed up that she hasn't come home. It would be great if someone could visit her this afternoon as her most frequent visitors haven't been available this week. When she does get home, possibly this week, she's likely to find it quite difficult and will really appreciate care and support. Pauline is back home and on the mend. She does love visitors. We suggest you call her at home before visiting. Derek had some planned surgery on his shoulder on Friday, so he's sporting a designer sling this morning, and very fetching it is too. He's very thankful to be well and hopes this will relieve long-term pain. And again, perhaps we could all use the Christmas season to be in touch with and encourage brothers and sisters we've not seen for a long time. In our pastoral prayer, we'll also remember all those homeless people in Manchester who will be supporting through LifeShare at what can be a particularly lonely time of the year. Is there anything else that we should pray about together before I lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we place all our plans before you and ask for your blessing and guidance on them all. We pray that you'll work through them to allow them to be a witness to the hope that we have in Jesus and the promise of life forever with you and him in your kingdom. Father, we rejoice in good news in welcoming Anne back to our family here at the Bethel in the way that you've worked through people to bless and support Malcolm and Pearlene and Faith and Marianne. We give thanks for the treatment that Derek and that Mary and that Pete have received and pray that that will be effective and provide them with relief. We give you thanks that Pauline is back home. But we think too about people who, for whatever reason, are not in their own homes at the moment and will have no home to be in over Christmas people affected by flooding, all those homeless people that we see on the streets of Manchester, we give you thanks for the work of charities like LifeShare that bring love and human warmth and compassion to some of the most lonely and vulnerable people. Father, help us 
in the way that we serve one another. Guide us, direct us to do what is best. Give us the humility to accept our own limitations and recognise your power to intervene in places where we cannot. So we hold all these people before you, Father. See our love for them and love them too, we pray. Amen. My thoughts this morning sort of touch on legacy a little bit, I guess. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to think about legacy. And I was, uh, I asked one earlier on what, uh, what the announcements were. No, sorry, what the collections were. And uh, he said, oh, it's Life Show. And I sort of looked up and said, oh, really? To which Andrew said, uh, you've done a swap. Which is useful because normally it's Buildings Repair Fund is my second collection. And Andy understood that I'd done a swap and therefore it was in fact something different. As we come to share fellowship with God and Lord Jesus Christ, we sing, we bow down and confess that you are Lord in this place. We are going to have two chapters read this morning from Peter's first letter, chapters 3 and 4. Charlotte will lead us in the reading of 1 Peter chapter 3, and then Liz will read 1 Peter chapter 4. Spider-way. First Peter chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Adam and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God 
rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thank you. I have found myself over recent weeks, when we've sort of got to the part of our service where the breaking of bread is, which has always been for me a time of reflection, but more usually a time of recent reflection, say the last week or the last month or whatever, actually reflecting on my Christian walk, which has gone, which just goes back almost to the start. I've always come here. This has always been my church. And there have been people here who have had a significant influence on my life, some people who are no longer here, the likes of Edra and Ernest Baldwin, Jack and Mary, Margaret and Norman, Andrew and Sheila, Juan and Sylvia, John and Ruth. It's not an exhaustive list, but you know, they've always been here, and through their love and support and care, I am sort of who I am and what I am. Things have changed here in that time. When I first came, where we've got I am the way, the truth and life, which has always been there, it used to be on a banner. It was a banner with scrolls with a white background and a red border. And as we've decorated and stuff, it's always been there. It takes on a, a new shape and a new form. We used to have a rail we used to have pews instead of chairs. Music has always played a big part in, in my life. And I guess largely through church, although not entirely, I play lots of instruments. I have lots of opportunity to play and to worship. When we first used to sing the sort of the praise of the lords and the singers and came out, Ernest and I would often, on a, I don't know, a Friday or a Saturday or whatever it might be, get together. The organ used to be an, an implicit part of our band, and we would make arrangements up, and every now and again the organ would come in and lift the body of the music that we were playing. I was baptised in that bath. I gave my testimony actually leant against a piano I have to say but the piano wasn't there it was turned organwards and there I preached my first service here with Alan Pollitt and I remember doing it I can't remember what I said I'm still here can't be that bad I remember Ernest always used to finish his voluntaries with an amen on the organ do you know what I mean by that he plays of my 
my experience and my, 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 my spiritual experience, my Christian growth. But it's not just, it's not just about the people. You're not a random set of people. You're a group of people brought together by God. And we are a family. God's family together. And as I have sat and reflected, you don't always appreciate these things, do you? You go through stages of life where sometimes things become more relevant. And you can look back and you can see the hand of God at work. And you can see how, through your brothers and sisters, God works and helps and supports and develops. And through your fellowship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ, in all instances that comes first. And we'll develop that theme a little bit later, I hope. Through our fellowship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then our fellowship with each other, we are helped to be more Christ-like. It is a time, is it not, where we reflect, we're coming up to Christmas, and at least for the minority of people, actually Christmas time, we remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it used to be easier. I can remember as a child, when I would go and do the Christmas shopping or something, or you'd meet somebody in the street, it was natural for them to wish you a happy Christmas. It was just what happened. You know, people understood. Now it's about, it's just about the celebration for a lot of people. It's about the food and it's about the drink and the presents. I think the Christmas decorations went up in the Trafford Centre at the end of October. It just doesn't seem right. But as we come towards Christmas, we reflect on what for us Christmas is about. And it is about the celebration, but what underpins that for us is God's gift to us, which is his son. We, we read, Charlotte read for us in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, these words. For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God for Christ died for sins once for all God's son died for us the righteous the Lord Jesus Christ for the unrighteous each one of us to bring us to God I have shared with you some of my reflections of late I would like you to have some time for your reflections now so I will leave you for a short while while you prepare to take the bread and the wine that we remember that God sent his perfect son knowing that he would die that we might know his love. Therein is our value to God. The all-powerful God who is ever close. He loves us to the extent that he would sacrifice his son. That we would know him. We'll sit for a short while and then we will...
sing hymn number 227. The band will just get up when they get a surreptitious nod from me and they will just start playing. You can stay seated if you like and then we'll sing that hymn after which Trevor will lead our thanks for the bread. It's an amazing thing, Father. It's an amazing thing that you called us in this room to be your children. You set us apart to be faithful. You set us apart to live for you. This bread is one of the symbols we're about to take which shows us love. It reminds us of you Lord Jesus who understood what it was like and what it meant to be set apart for you Father. As we share this bread together help us remember that it symbolises that gift the gift of a life but a symbol of giving of a life over to what you need Father and as we share this bread together help us consider that for ourselves what it means to give a life our lives over for you Jesus and for you our Father God help us consider our options help us consider our behaviour help us consider our thoughts and help us to be true in everything we do to you Thank you for this bread in mercy broken. Amen. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Charlie will lead our thanks for the wine. Father God, we ask you now to bless us as we continue to reflect whether reflecting on the last week, the last month, or even on the whole of our lives, we pray that you'll be with us in our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for bringing us to this point in our lives. Thank you that we can share this cup of wine together. And Father, we ask you that you will never let us go, never let our hearts grow cold or, or, or our faith grow weak. Hold us close to you, Father. Because we know that when we drink this cup, we can never go thirsty. And that by your grace, our souls are fed. Amen. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.
All I once held dear, built my life upon. All this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss. Spent and worthless now compared to this, knowing you, Jesus. One Peter chapter three verse eight. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. What a fantastic picture of a fellowship. And actually, that's actually often how I've read that passage. It's not a passage to me, it's a passage to all of us. But actually, that's rubbish. It isn't at all. It's not a passage to all of us. It's a passage to me. It's a passage to you. So I read that, and actually, what I in fact read is... I have to live in harmony with you, which might be easier for me than it might be for you. I have to be sympathetic. I have to love as a brother. I have to be compassionate. I have to be humble. Chapter 4, verse 8, Peter continues to write, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another, to one another without grumbling. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that's the same... It isn't to us, it's to me and it's to you. So actually it is, I have to love you deeply. Out of love comes forgiveness. Whatever gifts I have, I should use them to serve you. As far as I can... I have to administer God's grace. And if it could get any worse, then verse 11 is probably it. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Now I looked that up in the hope that there was some special context for speaking here, that it was somehow preaching or some special effort or teaching or whatever it might be. And I'm sad to say, it isn't. It's any time I happen to open my mouth. As far as I, I should be speaking as though God were speaking. It is all very easy sometimes to look at these passages and we look at them in the context of, of our church, our fellowship. 
which in a sense is, is right and proper, but it is in fact about us as individuals because our church and our fellowship cannot have these characteristics unless we, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, have those characteristics. If I were to adhere to these teachings and demonstrate it, you may say a miracle had taken place, and you may well be right. You may say if these teachings were adhered to, that our church and our fellowship would be a lovely and godly place to be. It would be a place where people can find peace and forgiveness. To me, this teaching is about my relationship with God, first and foremost. It's not about, primarily, my relationship with you. It's not primarily about me being able to serve and help you. Because if Christ isn't in me, I can't do that. Me fulfilling this teaching makes me more Christ-like. So although they are teachings for, for us as a church and for, and for fellowships, actually it's a specific teaching for each and every one of us. There are our own individual responsibilities. These are the teachings that we need to take on board. This is how we are to be Christ-like. I read the passages and I was reminded of what we talked about at the 2005 Fellowship week Weekend. The theme for the weekend was something along the lines of uh, the church, a refuge for God. Sorry, a refuge of God. Yeah, and it was a question. Thanks, Lewis. Is God's church a refuge? And the th I am convicted by the theory that it should be. And I am frustrated by not understanding what practical steps we can make, we have to go through to make it so. Sin is the root cause of all our problems. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it might be explicit, sometimes it might be implicit. Sometimes there might be obvious issues, sometimes there might not be. Sin can debilitate, it can stop you from being Christ-like. You can be guilty, it might stop you preaching. Do you know there's a whole host of issues around sin, which is why God wants us to live a sinless life. It's not because 
our Heavenly Father is a killjoy of some sort. He doesn't want us to have fun. He loves us. And living a sinless life is actually what's best for us. I remember sitting in a Sunday school lesson that Andrew was leading. And I remember me, and I remember him asking me whether or not if I had an issue or a problem, whether there was somebody in church that I would talk to. And I answered that yes, there was. If he were to ask me the same question again, in all honesty, I don't know if I would give the same answer. What if I found myself attracted to men? What if I found myself engrossed in pornography? Or if I had an affair? My marriage was breaking up. If I was being fraudulent at work. If I was losing my faith. Who would I turn to? Now this might be my fault that I can't necessarily answer that question but equally this problem might be our fault as a group of believers. And I, I feel it is, it's just a, a thing of culture. When I, when, when I did the fellowship weekend that year I talked about confessing sin and we went through passages and I said look and this is what it says and I believe it is about being able to confess our sin to one another and there it stops because I'm not sure how that ought to pan out but I do know that there are times when people feel unable to come to us when they have issues I don't know if I know of people now, but I certainly know of people who have had issues in the past. And I still don't know how to sort this out for us as a church. And as I read through these passages, and every time there was a we or a you in the plural, and I translated it and put an I in place... Seems to make more sense to me, actually. So here's the start of my solution. If there is anybody here who is struggling with sin, if you think it will be helpful, then you can come to me. I am trustworthy. I will not gossip. And where I have the power to do so, I will help you. Now, I am not expecting 80 people to come rushing down. 
neither am I necessarily expecting, although I would not mind if this were to happen, if somebody that I didn't know very well came to me. But it seems to me if, as individuals, we were able to make the same sort of offer and it just became part and parcel of our fellowship, then maybe we would start to catch the people who sometimes have issues and feel that they have nowhere to turn. And the second part of this solution is this. If any of you see me doing anything that a follower of Christ should not be doing, I give you permission to come and talk to me about it and challenge me about it. And I will accept in faith your actions out of your spiritual love for me. We are an odd bunch of people, and you can take that in whatever context you like. We are brought together primarily because we have a faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't vet each other. We're not brought together because we like each other, or we've got the same interests, or we do the same things, or we want to go in the same direction. God brings us together. And it is part of our spiritual growth, it is part of our spiritual responsibility to help each other become more Christ-like. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We'll close in prayer, which Andrew will leave for us after we have sung our, our last song, which is... Lord of all power, I give you my will.
in joyful obedience, your tasks to fulfill, your bondage is freedom, your service is song, and held in your keeping, my weakness is stronger. Father God, as we come to the end of our time together, we thank you for all that we've been able to think about this morning, Lord. For the bread and the wine that have reminded us that it's by your love and your grace that we are fed spiritually. And may that work into us, Lord, so that as a group of people we might show your love and that grace to those around us. We are a funny bunch of people, Lord. We didn't choose one another, but you've brought us here together. You've chosen us, and we thank you for that. And as we go out into our different situations in the week, Lord, help us to remember that we have Jesus. Help us to remember that we also have one another. And we thank you for that. And in this time of the year now that the world calls Advent, help us to think that it isn't just the presence and the giving and the celebrations, but it was the giving of your Son and also the greater gift that is coming in the return of your Son and our Lord. May that be a great hope to us and may that hope be manifest in what we say and what we do amongst ourselves and amongst the people we meet in the coming week. Once again, Lord, we thank you for your care and love towards us. Amen.